0: Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, encouraging words from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. Today we continue our look through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Our services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday prayer and Bible study at 5.30. Please come and join the family. All right. You know, since I'm a teacher, I like these, books, these jokes here, these riddles. All right, so you former teachers out there, what animal always gets in trouble while taking a test? A cheetah, that's right. All right, and so why was the home economics class empty? The recipe said, Take one egg and beat it. So. All right. It's funny somewhere. Well, probably one of the most asked questions in history is Lord, why do we. Go through difficult times. You're a God of love. We're your people. Why why do we have hard times? Why do we have difficult times? And I don't think there's only one answer. I think there's several answers. And we'll explore uh, a possible answer today as we continue looking at our story of Israel and his sons and Joseph in Egypt as we walk through Genesis here. And, and since we've been in Genesis for about two and a half years or whatever it is, it is a slow walk through Genesis, but uh, it's been fun. But we haven't been in Genesis for a few weeks. And so what I'd like to do is recap kind of where we uh, last left off. So when we last discussed Joseph... Remember, the brothers had gone to Egypt to buy grain. There was a severe famine, which Joseph had predicted and had gotten him his position that he had gotten there where he is at now because he was able to prepare Egypt for the great famine. So the brothers had to go from Canaan to Egypt to buy food. And remember, Joseph, Israel, Jacob, had to motivate his sons to get him up and go. He said, what are you standing there for? Go, go to Egypt, get food. We got to eat. So once they're there, Joseph recognizes them. Of course, they don't recognize Joseph. After all, it's been about 20 years. And the Egyptians dress kind of funny. You ever see the pictures? They got that, you know, anyway. And so nobody would write. They got the makeup on. And so nobody would recognize him. So, um, so after questioning them, Joseph accuses them of being spies. Now, he knows they're not. But, you know, he's got some ulterior motives. He wants to see his brother. He wants to see his father. And so he throws him in jail for three days. Now, the human side of us is probably like, you know, that's probably the least he could do after what they did to him. But anyway, you're going to make him sweat for a little bit. But he releases them. He agrees to give them food, but he sets some conditions. He said, one of you have got to stay behind. And then when you come back, you got to bring your younger brother with you on the next trip. And, of course, the real reason is, is Joseph wants to see his brother and he eventually wants to see his father as well. But he tells them, that's the only way that you can prove that you're not spies. That you're not spies. And in this time, now the brothers, it's very interesting. They start <clears throat> feeling a conviction of what they've done to their brother Joseph. If you remember, they, they, they put him in a hole in the ground and they were going to kill him. But then they saw this caravan and they decided, no, let's sell him and let him be a slave. And then they go back and they tell their father, hey, sorry, but Joseph was mauled by a wild animal. And of course, that sets Israel into a deep depression, really. Really? So they start feeling this conviction, and they start discussing among themselves about what they had done. Their eyes had been open, And so uh, seeing that there's no other alternative, they agreed, and they left Simeon behind, or Simeon was chosen to stay behind, and I think because he's probably the most violent of the bunch. He was the one along, he was the ringleader along with his brother Levi. He kind of led him along that wiped out a whole village because of what one man had done to their sister. He was just a very violent person. And so they decided that he needed, or Joseph decided he needed to stay in the jail, in the prison while his brothers were away. So they leave Simeon's behind. They're going. They got the grain They go to feed their donkeys and they open up, one of them opens up a sack and the money that they had used to pay for the grain was in their sack. And now they're starting to get worried. Now they're like, oh no, what, you know, what happened? Did, you know, how did this get here? We now will never, you know, I mean, all the things go through their mind that would go through anybody's mind, especially if you're already feeling guilty. They're scared, but they continue on their journey home Now Jacob I'll start calling him Israel because that's where they transition but Israel now he's very distraught he's very upset when the brothers tell him of the conditions of going back to Egypt to get more food he has to Benjamin has to go back with him Now think of Israel he's lost Joseph as far as he knows and now, and this is from his favorite wife. Now his brother Benjamin is going to be required to go, and he's just like, "No, I can't do it. I can't do it." And so he lingers, he delays. Um, Reuben steps up and says, "Hey, Dad, look. You know, if if I don't bring." Benjamin back, then you can kill my two sons. To which his two sons were like, gee, thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. Do we get a vote in this? And apparently not. That was a joke, you guys. That really wasn't in the Bible. I just kinda had that. So man, you guys are a rough crowd today. You still thinking about the egg and beat it. Right, I got it. So, um, but Jacob, Israel, he hunkers down and, and he doesn't make a decision. He doesn't make a decision until what? They start running out of food again. Now something has got to be done. And so this is where we're going to pick up from today. And in Bible, in the Bible tells us in chapter 43, it says, the famine was severe in the land. So there's no food anywhere except Egypt. And it came to pass that they had eaten up the grain which they had brought with them from Egypt and that their father told them, go back and buy us a little bit of food. Now, to which then Judah rises up and takes a leadership role. And he said, look, pops, we can go back and get food, but we've got to take Benjamin with us. If we don't take him with us, then they're not, we're not going to see the man that we we're dealing with. We're not going to get any food. And, you know, starvation, I guess, is a pretty big motivator, right? There's nothing like the potential of seeing your family starve before your eyes to humble even the most prideful heart. And I think what you see here is God beginning to work in the heart of Israel. But what's interesting is the one that Judah rises up. It's not Reuben, not the firstborn. It's Judah that rises up and takes the lead among the brothers. And it's Judah that tells them, hey, we've got to take Benjamin with us. Now, Jacob is... Starting to change, but not quite yet. And he, and, he, and he just kind of lashes out. And he says, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? And he's playing, taking the blame game. This is all your guys' fault. If you wouldn't have said that you had another brother, then Benjamin wouldn't be at risk. Well, you know, we all tend to want to play the blame game sometimes. And we all want to lament at times. But blame games are usually pretty useless, aren't they? They don't accomplish anything. They don't solve the problem. Jacob blaming his sons didn't, solve, didn't put food on the table, did it? So that was just a, an outburst on him. And Judah says, look, we had to tell him what we did. He asked us. We don't know how he knew, but he asked us about you. He asked us about our brother. He asked us. We had to tell him. We couldn't lie. If we we would have lied, he would have known. And Judah doesn't back down. He's standing up to his dad. And he says, look. Send him with me. Send Benjamin with me. We'll go. We'll go so that we know that we can live. We won't starve to death. Both you and me and all the children. And he says, I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. You notice the difference between him and Reuben. Reuben said, hey, take my kids. You can kill my kids. Of course, as parents, we probably all thought that at one point in time. Take our kids, please. But, but, you know, Judah, if you remember right, he knew the pain. Of losing children. He knew the pain. He had two sons that died. And he said look. I'll, I'll be responsible. I'll be it. And you can curse my name forever. And, and he's re, he takes responsibility. And in a way. I guess that helps Israel. Because the next sentence. It says. Oh. Let me before I get there. And Judah reminds him, saying, "Look, if we would have went back when we should've, we'd be back by now and we wouldn't be in this situation." Which is kind of obvious. And then Israel finally says, "If it must be so, then do this." It's kind of obvious. We have to do it. But see, Israel, he had been paralyzed by fear. The fear of losing Benjamin, the fear of having lost Simeon. But what is fear? Fear is when we don't really trust God. But we all have fear at times, it's natural. We all think the worst at times, it's natural. But as believers, we need to learn that when that fear comes, we don't dwell on it, that we don't entertain it, that what we do is we say, "Okay, yeah, I'm afraid, but God, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. What did Jesus do in the garden? He wasn't looking forward to going into going on the cross. He wasn't looking forward to being nailed to the cross. He wasn't looking forward to being beaten. And I am sure his human side, because he was completely human, fully God, fully man, was saying, I'm scared, Lord. I'm scared. But what did Jesus do? Not my will, but thy will be done. Because when we go and we don't give in to that spirit of fear, which Timothy tells us we have not been given a spirit of fear. Jesus said, do not fear. When we don't give in to it, then we can realize that what lies beyond this is so much better. Hebrews says, oh, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now we have the Bible. We know the rest of the story Israel doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But we know what happens is a great blessing. That by looking to God, by trusting God, by releasing Benjamin to go with Judah and the guys, that there's a blessing waiting for Israel. Well, we have to, we can't be paralyzed by fear. And fortunately, Jacob finally makes a decision before it's too late. He says, go, take these delicacies, take double the gold, take Benjamin. And he finally prays, he says, May God Almighty give you mercy before this man. So now we see that Israel is finally kind of turning back to God. He's kind of at least looking to God that, that whatever it was, that bitterness, that hurt, that fear is going away, and he's looking to God. He's not quite there yet. But he's starting there. Again, may God Almighty give you mercy before the man. May he release your other brother and Benjamin. I am bereaved. I am bereaved. Unfortunately, we tend to rely on God as a last resort. But as long as we rely on God. But what had happened, had to happen. So we go back to our question. Why do these things happen? Well, unfortunately, things happen like this because that's when we tend to look to God. When all else is done, when all else has failed, when all else, you know, everything we've tried. And we get to a certain low point, And then we look to God. We look to God and say, help me. I don't have any other choice. So maybe that's one reason people go through hard times. To increase our reliance on God. I don't know about you, but when times are good, I'm not looking at God as hard as when times are difficult. They say that after 9 11, churches were full. People were scared. Didn't last, but at that fear, they were looking to God. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I'd rather not have difficult times. But we're going to because of the world we live in. We live in this sinful, broken world. Jesus told us we'd have difficult times. We're guaranteed to have them. Well, Israel had them. Israel had them, and he didn't let go easily. He didn't let go, but he was letting go. And in spite of what his heart was telling him, you know Israel's heart was telling him what? Don't let Benjamin go. Don't let him go. I, can't, I couldn't trust his brothers with Joseph. How can I trust Benjamin with his brothers? There's all sorts of stuff going through his mind. But in spite of what his heart was telling him, he trusted God. You know, the Bible says that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when you hear people say, oh, follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Follow the word of God. Follow the word of God. Look to God. Deep down, Israel trusted God. And he trusted him enough to let him go and take Benjamin. And that was a start. But let's take a lesson from him. If we have fear, if we have trouble, if it has a grip on us, or maybe we have a grip on it, we don't want to let go. Let it go. Let it go. And pray that God will give you a peace in whatever situation you find yourself. Because he said he will. He said that you can have peace in Christ Jesus said, my words are meant to give you peace. So let's seek his peace in our lives and trust in God and go with God and look to him in good times and in bad times. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can have peace through you. We thank you, Lord, that in giving our lives to you and surrendering our lives to you, Lord God, we can have that peace that passes understanding, that peace that transcends circumstances, that peace, Lord God, knowing that you are in control of our lives, knowing that even though this is a difficult time now, there are better times ahead. And Father, we cannot even fathom the joy that we'll have with you the joy that is set before us means we can endure all things. And Father, this world needs peace. Our people need peace, Lord God. They're searching for peace everywhere but where they should be. So Father, help us to be able to point people to you, Lord God, for that full, abundant and peaceful life that they can have through you. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.